Luke chapter 16. I'm sure you've read this story before. Title of the message, Cries Across the Gulf. Listening to the back and forth between a rich man and Abraham. Let's, let's read the story from Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was, clothed, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. And he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear, hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need you this morning. I feel very inadequate. Heavenly Father, speak to us through Your Word. And bless the preacher. In Jesus' name, Amen. A rich man and a poor man. Why did the Lord allow one of His children to be in this condition? Why did He allow him there begging and full of sores and Dogs licking his wounds. Why did he allow them him to be there in front of this rich man's house in that condition? One of his was one of his children. We find that he was he, when he died, he went into Abraham's bosom, into paradise. Why does Jesus even tell us this story? Why would he even tell us about these two men? Strange, because you have to ask yourself, which one are you? Are you saved or are you lost? Because apparently it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. What matters is whether you're saved or you're lost. If we had our opportunities to tell somebody, we'd say, we need to tell that poor man the gospel. Look at him laying there full of sores. Maybe they're bed sores. Maybe he's been sleeping rough. And he's just desiring a little bit of food. We'd be telling them, we'd be telling the poor man, you need the gospel. He already had the gospel. He was saved. Are you even aware of the need around you, I think? Another reason maybe Jesus tells us this story is, are you even aware 
When you get down to Cork, are you looking at the people that are begging on the side? And they need the gospel. But what about the people in the big houses? Sometimes we just pick and choose who we want to give the gospel to. This story just kind of wakes us up. We wouldn't look at it the way we normally would if we just stop and see that this this poor beggar, this was the worst he was ever going to have it. That rich man, his destiny was hell forever. doesn't matter who we talk to. You can't pick a wrong door to knock on. Everybody needs the gospel. The awful truth is that over 150,000 people die every day and go to hell. Every day. Probably more by now. That may be an old statistic. Two every second. may take an hour to preach this. You're hoping 45 minutes, but it might take an hour. But during that whole time, people are going to hell. We're having church, but there's people going to hell out there. We are where we're supposed to be, though. Right here. But hopefully we don't walk away and say, okay, that was great. Dan waxed eloquent for a few minutes. Maybe said something that tugged at your heart. But there's people dying out there every day. There are four births every second. Every second, four sinners are born. And every second, two of them go to hell. Every day people are born... And every day people die at the rate of two every second. Meanwhile, on and on it goes. The inevitable happens. We know it. At least, at least if we stopped and thought about it, we would know it and realize that people are dying and going to hell. And Christians are doing so little. Some none at all. Nothing. I don't say that angrily, and I don't say it happily, or I don't say it with to, to hurt anybody, but we're doing nothing. Can you imagine standing at the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, never once sharing your testimony, never once handing out a tract, never once telling anybody else that Jesus Christ loves them and died on the cross for them. The world goes on in its ignorance to the truth of the Bible. They worship their false gods the greatest of which is self. We have that problem also. And the world thinks if they don't believe something, well then it doesn't exist. I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in God. Well, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But there is a God. And there is a heaven. They don't believe in absolute truth. They don't believe in judgment. I could tell you somebody who believes now, that lost man, that rich man, that went into hell, he believes He certainly believes in hell now. God gave us a glimpse of something we've always wondered about. The afterlife. Where do lost people go? They go to hell. Where do saved people go? They go to heaven. This is before the resurrection. This is before Jesus went down and took captivity captive. Those those, uh, saved people before before the resurrection, anyone who died in Christ by faith, They went into paradise. And they could look over this great gulf and see hell. They couldn't go there and they couldn't come into paradise. When Jesus was in the tomb, He went down into hell 
and took paradise, captivity captive, and took them to heaven. So that now when a saved person dies, absent from the body, present with the Lord. This is before the resurrection. But it doesn't change their destiny. Lost people go to hell. Saved people go to heaven. It doesn't change anything. It's heaven or hell. God saw the great need of mankind. They needed a Savior. And the world could care less. I know, because I talk to people, and so do you. And they turn you away, and they reject you. They're rejecting the message. They're on the broad way, you see. They're on the broad way. Going their own way, doing their own thing. Until they die, and it's all over. So there's like three voices I want you to listen to. The lost, the saved, and then the Lord's, vo- the Lord's voice. The rich man, he's lost in hell. Abraham, is, he's saved and he's in paradise. He's in heaven, so to speak, with Lazarus. But the reality is that God loves the rich and poor the same. He's not willing that any should perish. It doesn't matter your position or stature in life. God loves all people. Turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. You may want to mark Luke. Keep going back from time to time. John chapter 20 and verse 21. Jesus has come in through those locked doors in the upper room where the disciples are assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus has been resurrected. Tells them, he says, peace be unto you in verse 19, then verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. The voice of God says go. The voice of God says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Look in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. And in verse 14, Romans 10:14 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. God's voice is telling you to go. To go and tell them that there's a heaven and there's a hell. If you can't go, are you praying? You know, if you go, you'll do a lot of praying. And if you go, you'll do a lot of giving. There's a faith promise in the church now. and People have been given to missions, but that's slacked off. I wonder if we just need a jolt in our heart this morning. Say, I'm going to start giving again to missions. Because I can't be in Malaysia or Singapore. I can't be in South America. I'm not there. But somebody else is going there. And I'd like to help them to to be there. Somebody helped us to be here as missionaries in Ireland. There's people putting their nickels and dimes back in the States into the missions offering. So that I can be here. I take that as a great responsibility to do what God called me to do here. And we can give too. Are you going? Are you giving? Are you praying for missionaries, for missions? It starts with you going. Let's listen to some cries from the rich man. 
across that gulf. And I pray that they ring in our ears this morning. Go back to Luke chapter 16. I pray that they ring in our ears. I hope you go to bed tonight and hear that rich man crying, Have mercy! Have compassion! I do. I hope it keeps you up all night. If that's what we need, to just talk to people about Jesus Christ. I hope you hear the cry. In Luke chapter 16, and in verse 24, now he's in hell. And the rich man says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He's crying to be heard. But he's also crying because of the agony that he's in. He's in hell. He's in fire. And he looks over and sees Abraham. And Lazarus is in his bosom. In paradise. And he said, have mercy on me. Have some compassion. Have some pity. Have some pity on a rich man that fared sumptuously every day. Had a big house. Have some pity on me. Don't give me what I deserve. Help me in this fire. But people aren't crying that out up here, are they? Do you hear people crying out? Help me! Have some compassion! You don't hear that. But they're crying down there. I hope you hear that cry this morning. This isn't a parable. This is a true story that Jesus is telling us. They're crying down there. Look, if you saw a building on fire on the way home, you'd stop and sell somebody in the window. Jump! Get out of the building! It's on fire! Stop the bridges out! Don't go over the bridge! The bridge is out! Stop! Why don't we do that with people that we know are going to die and go to hell? Why don't we stop them? Why don't we cry out and tell them? It's real. We have to warn them. I won't take you to Ezekiel, but if you go to Ezekiel chapter 3, Ezekiel is told that God said, I've made you a watchman. And you are to warn the people. And if you don't warn them, then the blood will be on your hands. I don't want any blood on my hands. There's probably enough already. I'd like to get them washed today. And know that when I walk out of here, I am going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to have some pity on them. I'm going to have some compassion. We need to warn them. Jude 1.22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The rich man's trying to get some relief from his suffering. He wants a little bit of water. <laughs> he asks him, could he just dip the tip of his finger in water? Can you imagine? That would be enough. Could you just put a drop of water on my tongue? My tongue's on fire. Would you put a drop of water and relieve the pain? See, the tables have now turned, haven't they? In verse 21, And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sword. This guy's the kind of guy you don't want sitting in front of your house. Would you go down the block, please? I have people coming over for dinner tonight. I don't need you in front of my house. But he was saved. 
He was on his way to heaven. And I think the Lord's trying to get our attention. You know, it's funny, Proverbs 19.4, Wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. That rich man did not want that poor man there. He wanted him out of there. But the tables have turned now because in verse 25, it says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth the good things, and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. The tables have turned. He wants a little relief from his suffering. He's not in his big home anymore. Wearing nice clothes and eating sumptuously every day. He's in the place where the worm dieth not. Forever his soul will be tormented in flame. We've got to see it like that. We've got to see people as souls. Whether they're rich or they're poor. I want you to know, in verse 23, the word torment. In verse 24, I am tormented in this flame. Verse 25, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Verse 28, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Torment. Try to get that word and understand it. Try to see someone in a fire. Burning. Well, you just want to, you would just want to get them out of the fire. Quench that fire. This is for eternity. I can't even imagine hurting that much for that long. I, we can't understand it. But that's hell. The wage of sin is death. Extreme pain and anguish in the utmost degree of misery. You know, the word torment has that first four letter, the first few letters, T-O-R. It's the same word, root word, that we use the word torque. Hanes, when you tighten a bolt, you torque it. You twist it. You put as much strain and power as you can into that wrench to torque the bolt tight. That's what this man is going through. Torment. He's in agony. He's in pain. He's twisted and strained and he's trying to get some relief from being in hell. I can't, I don't know the, the amount of misery that he's going through. Can you see him? Can you try to get an idea? He's down there now. Been there for 2,000 years. Can you hear any cry in your heart? What can I do to help? For him, nothing. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And of course, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He hath made Him to become sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Jesus was tormented. He was in anguish because He was bearing our sin. And we're not going to tell somebody how they can avoid this kind of torment and anguish. It was excruciating. You know that word is made of two words. Excrucio. Out of the cross. We got that word from the cross. Out of the cross. Jesus was tormented. Why? He did it willingly. To bear the sin of the world so the people didn't have to go to hell. And we're sitting back and we're not telling them. I wonder how that makes Jesus feel. 
I wonder. The rich man believes in hell now. Do you? See, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. Do you believe in hell? I hope so. Because that's what's going to prompt you to obey the Lord and say, I want to see if I can tell somebody how to avoid that place called hell. Because until you really believe it, you're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to run out of your house and cry fire unless your house is on fire. It's got to be on fire. I don't run out of my house at night and say, fire, and there's no fire. But if my house is on fire, I'm going to run out. Because it's real. Is hell real to you today? It either is or it isn't. Don't say, I know there's a hell. And then not do anything about it. Because it's real. I'm talking to Christians. You say, I can't hear the cry. I can't hear it. It's because you're not there. Thank God. You're not there. You don't hear that man and all the wailing and gnashing of teeth down there in hell right now. You don't hear it. Neither do I. I don't hear it with this ear. I hear it down here. It's louder than in the ear, believe me. This will make you lose sleep at night. If you're going to hear that cry and not do anything about it. Abraham and Lazarus were there. So what's the point? Lamentations. Chapter 3, verse 51 says, Mine eye affecteth my heart because of the daughters of my city. Jeremiah took a good look around at Jerusalem and it was in shambles and he cried. He said, what I see affects my heart. Until you see souls is lost, going to hell, it's not going to affect your heart. And the only way to, to see them is to be around them and to be talking to them. Leo is here. I can tell you how he goes down in the court. He's always talking to people and handing out a track once in a while and just telling people about, about the Lord. The other weekend, uh, the other Saturday, Kathy and I were down in Cork with Gavin and helping Leo, just giving out some tracks. And uh, I'm talking to this these people on Daunt Square there uh, about the Lord. And, and, uh, and then Leo and, and Gavin were all together now. But my wife's not. Where's Kathy? Kathy's over here, like 20 feet away from me, which wouldn't be a problem, except she's talking to three people who are drunks and drug addicts. And well-known. Gavin says, you better watch them. I know that they, you know, they'll take your money. And I'm like, so I walk over and I'm like, hello, what's going on? You know, what are you doing? You know, why are you here by yourself? Can I stand here with you? And the guy's asking for money. You have a euro or two? You have a two euro? And uh, Kathy says, uh, no, because you're only going to use it to drink. You're only going to use it to go get alcohol. She says, but I'll buy you a sandwich. I'm like, oh, here we go. And off she goes. And I'm like, Kathy, she's just walking down the street, going to Central with this man to go buy him a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, amen. And she gave him a track, and she bought him a sandwich. I said, I'm going with you. You know, I made sure I was with her. She kind of lost. She needed me to be with her. But her heart was, I see a need. I'm not going to give you money for drink, but I will buy you a sandwich and take this track. Who knows what's going to happen? But I'll tell you what it does. It puts your heart tender. It makes you realize that the person you're talking to, you're no better than they are. You're like the poor man. They're like the poor man. and You're like the poor man too. But they need the gospel. Just like the rich man needed the gospel. I know 
this church wouldn't be here unless Pastor Craig saw something and heard some cries and, and listened to God's voice and came to this to Ireland. Well, this wouldn't be here. Maybe God would find somebody else, but he'll, he'll tell you. He was the one that wanted to obey the Lord and, and follow his will. And I'll tell you, I remember when Graham got saved. I remember when he bowed his head at my kitchen table and got saved. I remember when these two bowed on their knees in, the, in their sitting room and got saved. And I uh, remember when uh, Edward asked the Lord to save him. It's because you're just with people. It's just because you're talking to them about the Lord. It's just because you're, you're telling them they need to be saved. And uh, what I'm saying is, you're not in hell, but can you hear the, can you hear the cries? There's people out there, they're not crying out audibly, but in your, in your heart you should hear the voice of God saying, Go, because they will go to hell if they die without Christ. Now the second cry is in verse, uh, in verse 24. He says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Send Lazarus. Send somebody. Why? To tell them. Tell who? Look in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I bet you he'd go himself if he had an opportunity. This rich man believes in hell now. He's there. And he would have went. He'd love to tell them. He said, could you send Lazarus then to go back and tell them? Well, Lazarus can't go. Lazarus can't go. His time on earth is done. And when we go to heaven, it's over. You will not win souls in heaven. You, I don't even know if you'll be praying for souls in heaven. I think we'll just be serving the Lord and worshiping Him. It's over. Jesus Himself said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of Him while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. It's over. Now's the time. This is missions month. It's missions life. It's our life. We're missionaries. God said go. And you got to do it now. There is no gulf here. We're the gulf. We're, we're kind of living in the gulf, so to speak. Because heaven's there and hell's right below our feet. And we're trying to get people to go to heaven. But there is disobedience. That's a big gulf for people. They just say, I'm not going to do it. And when this guy's done preaching, I'm leaving and I'm going to do what I want to do. Go ahead! You have to answer for that. You have to walk away. When God has so clearly told you to go and tell somebody how to be saved. And be the Christian that God wants you to be. There's laziness. There's selfishness. Apathy. I just don't care. I just don't care. Am I glad somebody cared about me? Am I so glad that somebody walked across the street, that Baptist preacher, and talked to me about Jesus Christ? I was just talking to Kathy yesterday. We can't even believe it. I don't know how you can... But I can't even believe it. That one, the week before... I'm ingesting drugs and I'm buying them and I'm selling them. And that Saturday night, never touched them again. 
I got saved and have never went back because that man cared about my soul and Jesus Christ saved me that night. I never even had an inkling to want it again. It was over. How does that happen? Any man being Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I want that for those people out there, as many as that we can reach. And there's no love for Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. I tell you what Jesus loves. He loves souls. Do you love souls? Do you really care about them? So who will go? The question is, how can those who go make a difference? What can we do? Look at verse 29. Verse 29 says, Abraham saith unto him, he's pleading with somebody to go to his brother's house for Lazarus to go. And Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What's he saying? They have the Bible. They have the Scriptures. And that's true. So do we. There's a lot of Bibles sitting on laps out there. You have the answer. You have the cure. It's the Gospel of Jesus Christ. For all the sickness and death that's out there, you have the answer sitting on your lap. And as far as Abraham's concerned, Somebody going back from the dead isn't going to help. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Verse 30 and 31. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Salvation doesn't come through signs and wonders. It didn't come through Lazarus coming back from the dead, even when Jesus saved, brought him back from the dead. In fact, it didn't even come from Jesus coming back from the dead. There's still people that turn their... I don't want that Jesus. They still turn away. How are people saved today? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Just like we're told in this story. It comes through repentance and believing, and they must hear the Gospel. Let me give you seven clear facts. Death is not the end. It's only the beginning of eternity. It's not over. The soul is eternal. Verse 20 and 22, give us real names of real people. Jesus is telling us a true story. This is not a parable. This is not some spiritual uh, illustration that He's giving us. It is a true story with real names. Maybe the people he was talking to, the Pharisees, said, you know what? I think I remember that rich man. I think I remember him. Hell is a real place in verse 24. That's where he winds up. In hell. It's a place of eternal death and fire and torment. The wages for sin. Verse 25, stature and position here on earth do not determine a soul's final destiny. doesn't matter whether you're rich. doesn't matter whether you're poor. It matters whether you believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior. That determines where you'll spend eternity. There'll be no change in your eternal home after your death. Once it's over, it's over. If you're here today, 
and you've never been saved, once you go to hell, you don't stay there for 10,000 years and get out. There's no change. There's no checkout time. It's over. You're in hell. Forever. Why would you want to go there? Why won't you listen this morning that there's a God who loved you and sent His Son to die for your sins? Don't be so proud not to repent and see your condition before a holy God. Because once it's over, it's over. Verses 27 and 28. If you do not believe now, I guarantee you, you will. If you die and go to hell, you'll believe there's a hell because you'll be in it. I won't see you again. Someone returning from the dead like Lazarus will not convince you. Signs and wonders don't get people saved. The Gospel does. They have to hear it. They have to believe it. They have to repent. And the only way to be saved is by faith. Romans 10, 17. You know, the book that we have is a timeless book and it's a timeless Gospel. We don't have to change it. We don't have to alter it. We don't have to charm people into heaven, which we cannot do anyway. All we have to do is give them the Gospel. Jesus is not crucified and resurrected every Sunday. He died once for all. It's a done deal. It doesn't have to happen over and over again. He's already died on a cross 2,000 years ago. He's paid the wages of sin. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five. Let's go to verse fourteen. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore Henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And it goes on to talk about that we've been reconciled to Christ, we have the ministry of reconciliation, we can take people that are the enemies of God and join them together again because we have the ministry of reconciliation because we have the word of reconciliation. We have the gospel. But do you see that in verse 14? For the love of Christ constraineth us. It's God's love for the world that should compel us. That constrains us to do something. Too many of God's children are just living and talking the part, but they're not, I mean, just talking the, the part, but they're not living like Christians. They're not constrained to do anything. You're a new creature. We have to act like new creatures. His love should compel us. He loved us. And that love is inside of us. We should be feel compelled to tell someone else about that love. Ladies, at the drop of a hat you would tell somebody about a, a sale at Dunn's. I mean, 
It's a two for one over there. Get over there. You have to get over there and buy this. Wouldn't you? We do. I don't know what made me put down oils. You know, these essential oils. Everybody's telling me, well, you need to take this oil. Uh, yeah, well, I have a wart, you know. And a, well, you just put this oil on it, essential oils. We tell each other all these different things, and that's okay. That's what we do. We're just, why don't we tell others about Jesus Christ? Why don't we tell people about this most important subject, that they're going to die and go to hell? You should feel compelled to tell people about that. As Christians, we must go and tell the lost. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God has said. What matters is that God wants to love them through you. That's the only way they're going to know the love of Christ. Is to tell them and live. Let God live through you. What's it going to take this morning for you to do that? If the love of God... uh, God doesn't compel us, then maybe the terror of the Lord. Back in verse 11, it says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. If it's not the love of Jesus Christ, maybe it's the terror of the Lord. Do you fear and respect and reverence God this morning? It's like when Daddy gets home, you're in trouble. And the sweat leads start to, oh, what am I going to do? Daddy gets home. That kind of, it's not just that kind of fear. It's a, it's a high regard and a, and, a, and a reverence and an adoration. God said, go. And I fear him. The terror of the Lord compels me to go. Hey, turn to Acts chapter 26. Turn to Acts chapter 26 and look in verse 27. Acts 26 and verse 27. I'm saying, do you hear the cries? Are you, will you go and tell somebody about Jesus Christ? It's Missions Month. Verse 20, 28, actually. I'm sorry, verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? This is Paul speaking. I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul was trying to influence this king to be a Christian, to believe what he knew to be in the Scriptures. That this Jesus was the Messiah. And He died on the cross for your sins, Agrippa. And he tried to persuade him. And that's what we're to do. Persuade men because of the terror of the Lord. And because of the constraining love of Jesus Christ. Paul tried to influence a king. He tried to influence Agrippa. Hey, Jesus influenced a woman at the well. Didn't He? You know what that is? One-on-one. One-on-one contact. Jim, when he was down in Cork City preaching, talking to somebody. That's how you win people to Jesus. One-on-one. Social media can't do that. You're not one on Facebook and all these other social media outlets. That's not how people get one. It's eye-to-eye, confrontational, soul-winning. One-on-one. Answering people's questions. Being an apologist. 
and shown them in the Scriptures that they need to be saved. And the people that we can't get to on the other side of the world, that's why we give them missions. So that somebody else can go confront them one-on-one and tell them how to be saved. That's the way it happens. You persuade people. You talk to people with the Gospel. You know, some things never change. There's people here right now, I would say, you know you're a sinner, you know you're not saved, and there's a battle going on inside of you. Well, God's God's love says, what are you waiting for? What is holding you back? Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Do you realize how good God is to you? And you refuse that love. Let me tell you, God's not going to change. God loves you, but if you're not saved, if you're here without Christ, you are condemned to hell. You are already under the condemnation of God. You just haven't died yet. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Look what the Bible says in Some people are waiting for God to change or the Bible to change. and Maybe there's another way. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable, unchanging things, immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for a refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. You're wondering when God's Word's going to change and when God's going to change. He's never going to change. And His Word will never change. You know, men swear upon... In fact, you know... Uh, or come on up here. You know, when we were kids, we'd say, you know, we swear upon this and we swear upon that. we try to find something that the person would go, ooh... You're going to swear on that? You must be telling the truth. I don't even want to tell you what we used to swear on. But you did the same thing. And then you'd even take the Lord's name in vain. No, I swear to... Right? But um, we're always thinking of something higher and and something bigger and and of greater influence that we can say, I'm swearing on that. Well, who's God going to swear on? He swears on Himself. But in a court of law, put your left hand on the Bible, your right hand, raise your right hand, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so hope you God? Alright. That's what they do in a court. Where's his hand? On the Bible. Because this doesn't change. This is higher. This is greater. This doesn't change. And by the way, what were you doing in your room last night? Sleeping? Tell me the truth. <laughs> Sleeping? <laughs> you have to tell the truth, brother. <laughs> but you know, God's not going to change. If you die without Christ, you will go to hell. Don't expect that to change. Because God doesn't change. His character doesn't change. Do you see that? Let me open up again. Verse 13 says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Verse 18, That by two immutable things, what are they? Those two immutable things are his word 
and His character. His Word will never change, and He bases His promises on His character. His holiness will never change. His righteousness will never change. He is light. So don't expect God to change. And Christian, the same for you. God's not going to change. He's going to cry, go, 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 until you're gone, gone, gone. He's going to keep saying the same thing. Go out and tell the world they need Christ. And really, if we're going to turn our ears and close our ear flaps this morning, I hope it hounds you. I hope it bothers you so much. That's how much people need Christ. That if we won't do something about it, that we wrestle with this, this truth that God hasn't changed. He still commissions us to go this morning. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. When will God change? Never. Look at James. Turn over to the next book to the right. James chapter 1 and verse 17. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom, with whom is no variables, variableness neither shadow of turning. So all the good gifts in your life come from the Father of lights. There's no changing in Him, not even a shadow of turning. The stars may alter their course, the lights in the sky, but not God. He's always the same. God and His Word will never change. And that should be a blessed assurance to us that we know we're going to heaven and that's never going to change. I know I'm going to heaven. Well, there's people out there that are going to hell and that's not going to change until we tell them and help them know the Savior. His standards never change. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Lost person, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. There are not several different ways. It's not your way. It's God's way. And that's it. In John chapter 10 and verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief, and a robber. And verse 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life. They might have it more abundantly. You can't climb up some other way into heaven. You can't climb your ladder of good works and get to the top and you're going to get pushed right back. You cannot Come into heaven any other way but through Jesus Christ. Salvation is a supernatural thing. When man tries to work and do his good works and keep the law, then God is silent. But when God, God works and, and the cross is lifted up and Christ is lifted up, then man has to be silent. Then man has to be quiet. Because he can do nothing to add to that. It's God's way. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 talks about a broad way and a straight gate. There is only one way and it's narrow. It's God's way. We must come through Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You'll not climb up some other way into heaven. You can mark it down because God doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can't spin it. You can't turn it. If you're not saved the Bible way, by grace through faith, then you are lost. And you don't have to stay lost. John 3.18 says you're condemned already. Just like that rich man. He was condemned when he was shooing that uh, poor beggar Lazarus. Get out! Get out! 
He was just a matter of time before he died. Then he realized. Now he knows. And finally, you're waiting to die. Hebrews chapter 9. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What is going to change? What do you think is going to happen? That you're going to get to heaven some other way than everyone else? Than the Bible way? Are you waiting to die? Do you think that's going to change anything? It doesn't turn into some nothingness. We don't just disappear. Verse 27 says, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You see, we got it half right. You're waiting to die. You have an appointment with death. We all have an appointment with death. Thankfully, I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Because you will die. What do they say? Two things we're going to do. Pay taxes and die. You know what's even more sure? You're going to die. You can avoid your taxes. You're thrown in jail, I guess. But you can't avoid death. You're going to die. And you have no idea when that's going to happen. It's an appointment with death and it will be kept. And after that, if you are not saved, you will have another appointment at a great, great white throne. And God will show you just what you are and then cast you back into hell in the lake of fire forever. What are you waiting for? The lake of fire to be quenched? Is it going to stop burning? There's no way to avoid it without Jesus Christ. You're going to be face to face with God. Without Christ as Savior, listen to what Job says. Job 8.13 So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish, whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's web. That's what you're depending upon. A spider's web. You have no foundation that you're standing on without Christ. If you're here this morning and you're lost, what are you waiting for? It's as if you're going to walk across the abyss on a spider's web. That's what you're trusting in. James 4.14 says, Life is but a vapor. It appeareth for a little time, and then it vanisheth away. We're here for a real short time. I'm going to be turning 61 in April, and I'm wondering, where'd the other 60 years go? I remember when I was 18, and then, uh, you know, all the things that happened. Operating my first crane, climbing my first hangar, you know, having children. That's all, you know, it's like, what happened to those years? So quickly our life goes past. And when you die, you're either going to heaven or hell. And there's no second chances. There's no holding places. Are you ready to meet God this morning? Are you ready to meet God? The rich man's been suffering for 2,000 years in hell. I couldn't last two minutes, two seconds, burning. But that's where he is. And he's still awaiting another judgment. The great white throne. When he receives his body and is cast back into hell in that lake of fire. John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's heaven or hell. Do you know where you'll spend eternity? 
this morning. You know. Christian, God's love constrains us. It compels us to go and talk to this lost world. Do you hear the cries of this rich man in hell? Do you hear him down here in your heart? Not with your ears, but that still small voice telling you to go and preach the gospel. Do you hear those cries this morning? Let's pray. I really don't know how any other way to say it. I truly did feel very inadequate trying to preach this morning, but let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you can't point to a time when you were born again, today is the day of your salvation. There is absolutely no reason to wait. Now there's Christians praying for your soul right now, I hope. That God might point that out to you. If you're here this morning, and you, you're sure that you're not saved. I don't remember that time. And you could just put aside your pride for two seconds and let me know by a raised hand, I'm not saved. I'm not saved this morning, but I want to be saved. Is there anybody out there who would raise their hand that's lost, would raise their hand and say, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity? Christians, let me ask you, do you hear the cries? Do you hear the cries in hell? Will you do something to win somebody to Christ this week? Will you give out a tract? Will you talk to your family now? He said, I have five brethren. Somebody go back and tell them. Are you going to wait until you have no chance to do this anymore? Come on. Christian, if God spoke into your heart this morning, would you just quickly put your hand up? I'd like to pray for you. If God spoke into your heart, you know you need to be a better soul winner. Amen. I see those hands. Amen. Amen. My hand's up. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that raised their hand. I'm glad you spoke to them from your word. Father, the Holy Spirit will do his work now. I pray we would do our work of obeying you, going into this lost world. We are all missionaries. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use this message to, to speak to that one that may be lost here this morning. And if there is one that was lost and didn't raise their hand, I pray for him, Lord. I pray that somewhere along the line another preacher will come up, another soul winner will come up and talk to them about Jesus Christ. And they would just give up. They'd throw up their hands and finally give up. Lord, I thank You, Father, for the Word of God. I thank You for salvation. So free, so full, so rich, so wonderful. And You did it all. Thank You for that salvation, Lord. Please bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's all stand. And